Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hope for Today Cafe podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Coburn and Kemble Architects. CKA is the Heritage Award winner for the Tet Center in Kingston and joint venture architect for Southview Public School in Napanee. Adopting the service motto, adopting the service above self motto, CKA's mission is to enhance and enliven our environment and our planet bringing hope to communities on the local and international level. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome once again, Deborah Kimmitz, and I am Robert Hawk. Thank you so much. Okay, hi, I'm Deborah Kimmitz, and welcome to the... Woo! We are your comedy baristas for the Hope For Today Cafe, Robert. You are a cancer survivor. I, funny enough, I am. Yes, I had thyroid cancer some years ago. And, yes. And it was, you you're know. You're so good though now? I'm pretty good now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah I take just... pills and stuff, but oh, I'm good. good. Yeah. Blue pills? No, actually, they're, they're, they're small pink no. pills okay, for whatever okay. reason. I don't know why, but they are. Good. So you had the, the, can the cancer? Yeah, I did. As I say, cancer, yes, yeah. and I'm a hypochondriac. So that's good. Uh, yeah, so we're good. And, and it keeps you busy. Yes, I am. Do you do a lot of Googling at night? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, Thank I you bet. very much. I bet you um, actually, uh, yeah. I've had uh, quite a few people. I think I'm what would be considered the person who watches when people get sick. It's very hard for the caregiver Yo, at times. It's so hard for the caregiver to be able to just know what to do. Yeah. And, to say. And, and what was your experience with that? Well, um, first off, um, years ago, I had a premature daughter, and um, I think that was the first time you really felt that powerlessness when someone you love is ill and you yeah. don't know what to do. Uh, my daughter was born three months premature, yeah. and she was one pound, 15 ounces, mm -hmm. and um, she could fit in the palm of my hand. And uh, I had a son at home, and so when uh, she was born, he was nine months old. Mm -hmm. And people say, oh, did you plan that? And uh, I said, no, I woke up one night and said yes, when I should have stayed asleep. <laughs> uh, but no, you don't plan these kinds of things. She would have been a year apart. But what happens is, she was put in the um, St. Joe's Hospital and she was put on a clinical trial. Right. And we talked a lot about experts earlier in our show and we had great experts there that were trying new things. And it, it was really a trust factor to know sure. that her care was being uh, given by the most amazing uh, surgeons and, and um, neonatal surgeons and doctors. That is it was phenomenal. amazing. And that I did not know at that time that a child could even live that long. You know, and wow. she's now 26. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah so we uh, talk about this in a caregiving way, that yeah. that's my thing, and yeah. yours is getting, when you got sick, yeah. you know, um, you went through it for what? How many months? Oh, gosh, I don't know. It was a long, protracted process. And it, it's so funny, because my, my, the doctor, who you saw me portray, is actually a really nice guy, and, and he, was, he, was, he literally said, you know what, you're gonna go for, in for surgery, and then a week after surgery, you're gonna be back at work, you're gonna feel fine. Just, it's like you ate some bad food in Cuba. Don't worry about it, kid. And kind of kicked me out the door. And I was like, that was not my experience at all. Like there was all this lead up time. There ended up being like 10 months of lead up time until the surgery, and then afterwards there was, I don't know, probably a solid eight or nine months afterwards. Yeah, so as a result, we've had these kind of, sort of what you call, you know, big experiences, things yeah. where you have to overcome adversity. And we both kind of turned our experiences into humor. So how did you turn it into you? Well, it's really weird because when you're when you're working in this business a lot, or when you're when you're doing creative stuff, it all, always just kind of comes out. You know what I mean? When you're having a coffee, you end up writing a song. You know what I mean? Well, you know what that's like. And um, and well, it was only like four weeks after surgery I began to co-write a one-man show, 
Um, and I wasn't sure if it was funny or not, but I, this show, it became a thing, and then I took it to um, uh, Prague Fringe Festival in, in, in Europe, and that was like a, an awesome experience. And it was amazing to me because I was making jokes or kind of making funny about this, and I didn't know if people would respond to it, but they really, really did. So it was a very healing process it, to be created. You know what? It was an amazingly healing process. Yes, yes. One time there was a, uh, after a show, a man just came up, didn't even say anything to me, and just hugged me yeah, and walked away. He hadn't seen the show. I think he just wanted to hug. <laughs> well, it was Prague. But he I was, was happy to get it. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're European, right? Yeah. Well, they no, double but... kiss. So <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. I don't get that double kiss. Like, people in, in the Napanee double kissing. It Do they? Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. We didn't hug when we were growing up. Unless oh, you were choking on some grizzly. Yeah, and then it was, then it was accept yeah, acceptable. Our family, too. Yeah, we're just like, hello! We, we have to, how long does this come? Hugs are from distance. They're like, hey, yeah. hi, I love you. Yeah, that's how that goes. Well, yeah, when my daughter was born, it was the first time that I became a writer, really, of plays, and I wrote this play called Miracle Mother, and it was strange because I was writing these really sad scenes, and then I went to see it performed at the theater, it was being produced, and it was the funniest stuff in the play, and I'm like, you guys can't laugh, this is my sad stuff, like, and it was this scene where I'm begging God to, you know, save my baby, but then I have to do this whole thing of, you know, introducing myself again, and, you know, and then doing all my sins, and it went on forever. But people were like killing themselves laughing, and I'm like, this is my real soul here, you know? So we took it, we made art, and then the thing is about comedy, I find, and I don't know if you guys find this too in our audience, but I like comedy that's got the human part where it's just touching as well as being funny. I don't like comedy that's mean. And, uh, over the years, when you're in a, like a back up against the wall, yeah. sad situation, yeah. funny stuff occurs to you yeah. where you're kind of above the scene looking at it going, this is ridiculous. Yeah. You had one of those, oh, didn't you? With, I had a uh, bunch of those. I had so many of those. But, but one of them, which was interesting, is, is like um, uh, the night after I had surgery, of course, they you know, gave you drugs and put you to bed, you know, that's, which, you know, that's what they do. And, but I didn't have a great night. I was in some pain. And so I kind of woke up and I was in pain and ow, it really hurt. And then I wake up in the morning and my nurse says to me, how, how was your night? And I'm like, well, it was, I was in pain. It was, it was kind of rough, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but I think I'm all right. And she looked at me and she goes, I'm so proud of you. I'm like, why are you proud of me? And she said, I could have given you two milligrams of morphine, but I only gave you one because I knew you could handle it. <laughs> you could handle the pain. And I was like, what? No! She's from the S&M club, yeah, right? Yeah, totally like, like, Did you have a whim? Yeah. And I was like, that's well, she, said she was a tiny little thing, and then she says to me, she says, I'm from Pennsylvania. And I went, what? No. And she goes, yes, I am. Transylvania? Yeah, she said, I'm from the part of Lithuania that used to be referred to as Transylvania. Really? Did yeah. You, did you have a hickey? I, <laughs> I, I had an unexplained hickey, and my blood was down a pint. Yeah. So, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, yeah. A good story. Yeah. 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 And what's yours? Well, it's not really funny. At, like, it's not really funny, but it's one of those things where later you're just like, what were we thinking? <laughs> my, my dad's in the hospital, and we're all around his bed, and we're talking, you know, Dad, I just love you, and let go, and we love you, and go to the light. And then my brother pops his head in and goes, Vicky just brought decaf from Tim Hortons. <laughs> and we all left him. <laughs> <laughs> and then later we're like... <laughs> Like, yeah, I think, it's 
I think actually that should be an ad for Tim Hortons. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So it's like, Poppy, you'll leave your dying parent for. Yeah, yeah, you know? Or just, uh, you know, go to the light with Tim. Yeah. Yeah, so well. Get a double-double with St. Peter. But it was like, like it, yeah. it just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was just those things where you laugh, not because it's really that funny, but you laugh because of, of how intense the emotions yeah. are. Yeah, and a lot of times people think it's kind of disrespectful and stuff like that. It's like, gosh, we just need a way to let off steam. You yeah. know what I mean? We can't, I don't think we can maintain that level of intensity all the time. Yeah, and I think as oh, soon as God. it gets intense, too, you don't even want to laugh because you feel like you can't, and so you just don't even let yourself. And one of the things that Rob and I talk a lot about in these podcasts is help. How do you get help, and how do you give help? Someone gets cancer, someone has a sick child, someone's gone through a death in the family. Yeah. We really don't know what to say. We often say, I don't know what to say. Yeah. I don't know what to say. And then we talk. You know, we just keep talking, even though yeah. we don't know what to say. We just bring casseroles until the person's like, no, no more chicken. No more chicken from Metro. They're in plastic containers. I'm puking up the banana bread. Stop Here, it. More nachos. Eat the nachos. Nachos are good. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you're a person who gone through it. What did you like? What was the best kind of help you received? I, I, I think, I got to say, because it's so rare, I think the best thing we can do for folks going through a tough time is, is, is to listen. I think listening is completely rare, especially when somebody's in, in real trouble. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because like, I think as human beings, we just desperately want to tell our story. We want to say, this is my experience. I don't know, understand what's going on. I was walking down the street one day and all of a sudden this happened. Or like your awesome peeing story. You want to tell your story, right? Yeah. And but well, I see, mean, I think peeing story got a laugh, yeah. which is great. But the thing is, yeah. I think the thing that most people, and I know that I did this, is a lot of times you listen long enough and then you just start giving advice, right? Completely. You're just like, okay, I feel really uncomfortable with what you're saying. And I remember I worked uh, with uh, Peggy here at hospice and she had a great line. She said, sometimes people just need to talk about their difficult day and you say nothing but, wow, that sounds like a really hard day to put in. Beautiful. You know? It's yeah. really nice. I can't keep saying to my family though. I said it a lot now. Now they're <laughs> twigging to it. But yeah, no, yeah. I think it's a really good one. Yeah. And I teach this exercise where we do this thing where you don't talk Someone says a sentence and then you don't talk for four seconds. And I do this when I teach hospice communication and people can't do it. They can't shut up for four seconds. <laughs> I'm like, I have to say something. No, you don't. Yeah. You don't. You know, and you know why? Yeah, I, I, I think we're nervous. We're nervous and we desperately want to fix it, especially if it's, a, it's like a human thing, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. not bad. We just want to, if our friend or our family member is in pain, we desperately want to provide a solution and have it be okay. You know, the thing that you we're going to reverse this for a sec is, um, well, you, do, you have to give help, but then when you're in the other end, like whether you're a caregiver mm-hmm. or a person who's sick, yeah. you have to be able to ask for help. Yeah, and that's really hard. That's really hard, I think. And I, I don't know, I, I'm going to jump out on a limb and say, especially for men. Men, yeah, hard to ask for help? Sure. There's three of them here. There's three here. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the others are out, they need help, and they couldn't ask for it. Um, um, <laughs> but no, we, it's because every action movie I ever watch, Bruce Willis or Liam Neeson, when, when the chips are down and he's fighting the bad guys and he's had an incredibly hard day and his clothes are rags, he never calls up a buddy and says, hey, can you come over? I need a hug. Like, that never happened. Well, I would not let Liam Neeson near my kid. Would you, like, ever let him have that kid again? I mean, he just keeps losing that. No, he keeps it. It's completely careless. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know what happened. They took him again. Like, yeah. No, son, you can't go to the Neeson house. <laughs> Stay here. <laughs> Lock the door. Yeah, and I think the other part about asking for help on the caregiver end, especially yeah. when my daughter was sick, I thought a good mother would be there at the hospital all the time, and I, a good person yeah. would be able to handle this. And I got that button that when it's hard, I add one more thing and make it harder. 
you know, I start to vacuum things that I've never even seen were dirty, you know, and I'll add that one more thing. And I think that's the trick about it, of just yeah. making your life simple enough yeah. that you can possibly just receive what you need and get a little breathing Yeah, and, and I'm, in, in, in my case, it was really funny because I was like, you know, I was alone in a one-bedroom apartment for a long time, and I lived through all of my clothes. Do you know what I mean? You know that one ugly outfit you have that you never wear? I wore it twice, you know what I mean? And I couldn't do laundry because laundry was in the basement and I was on the third floor. And like, I really needed somebody to help me with the laundry. But I couldn't pick up the phone and like call my brother and ask for help. He would have done it in a heartbeat, right? But I couldn't do it. It's just one of those crazy things. Yeah. So I think we have to like give ourselves a break. You can be like super independent for the rest of your life. You know what just I mean? Just not during that time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was interesting because too, what I found, and this is what you do find about life, is don't you find that you get help though from people that you never expected it from? You know, you'll 100%. think this person should do this yes. for me, but then you end up getting weird help from people you barely know, <laughs> and you're so like the. And that's where I do think.